We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. Another phase of the offseason is complete as the Chicago Bears completed a three-day minicamp up at Hallis Hall from Friday to Sunday, ending it with a short practice on Sunday. We're here to break all that down, plus what's to come in the coming weeks here as the Bears hit the field again for um, OTA practices. Before we do all of that, though, I have to welcome in my co-host, Aaron Lumming. Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm here. It's uh, we we're just talking about it before this thing started, man. It's um, it's getting hot here in, uh, in Texas already, and I am not a fan. So you know that's that's about that. And then in baseball, I mean, obviously, I know you're a Cubs fan. It's like even the White Sox, man. It's like every single time you think they're finally getting back on track, and then it's like they blow, you know, historically blow a six run lead and lose an extra innings after having multiple chances to win it. So yeah, it's. <laughs> It's uh, it is I guess that time of year. Yeah, yeah, it's hot here too. It's the first ninety day of the ninety degree day of the year for us, and I don't want to be that guy that complains about the weather because like I complained when it was you know forty five fifty degrees last week. But man, it's hot, but it's also very humid. And I'm a guy like I'm not overweight or anything like that. But dude, my pits like I can't wear shirts like more than like ten times or five times because my pits just get terrible due to the sweat. Um, but it's nice to have a sunny day here in Chicago. And like you said, I wish both baseball teams were a little better. Um, you know, both are struggling in their own ways. I think the Cubs are more of an, a rebuild, which is kind of expected uh, to struggle. But yeah, man, I saw that White Sox game last night and it's like, they just have way too much talent to kind of be this bad. <laughs> and it could be a bad year for like literally all things Chicago sports because I don't know how good the bears are going to be. And I don't think really rookie minicamp taught us or told us anything, you know, if they're going to be good or bad this year, but man, it, it could just be a brutal, brutal year here for uh, all Chicago sports teams. Well, like you said, man, I mean, obviously the white Sox aren't rebuilding, but there are, you know, a few teams in Chicago that are, and you know, I, I would assume the Blackhawks would be included in that. I don't really keep up with hockey that much yes, anymore, yes, but I mean, you got three teams in Chicago right now rebuilding and, 
it's uh yeah i you know it's like with the with the bears you know obviously there's just there's so much that we have to learn over these next you know few months um just even moving into training camp in the preseason to kind of see where things are going to lie and obviously you know there's been some roster moves all of those have been undrafted free agent moves and you know all that kind of stuff but and I'm kind of curious from your perspective here because I you know and again it's still early it's only a little over a week after the draft but I had honestly expected Ryan Poles to go out and maybe sign a few veterans you know like their offensive line even the most optimistic person right now has to have some concerns uh, you know, moving into, you know, the season with lack of depth. And I mean, what, the, what are they going to do at right tackle? Are they are right guard? I mean, are they just, you know, Sam Mustafer was taking, you know, the first team reps. You got Dakota Dozier, who is been one of the worst graded uh, starting guards in the league when he was starting in Minnesota. And then you've got a bunch of day three picks that you're hoping are just one of them is magically going to be able to start there. I don't know. I mean, there's just there's so many concerns on this team where, you know, obviously you give them some patience because it's a draft and, you know, you get over with the draft, you get some undrafted free agents. But there's, there just seems like there's a lot of holes on this team that even if they're not long term and even if they're depth and, you know, even if they have some sort of purpose without taking away playing time from younger guys, it seems like the Bears still have some moves to make in order to protect some of their investments. Um, you know, Justin Fields being the main one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, you know, it's tough because, like I said, I mean, rookie minicamp doesn't really tell us a whole lot on the field. I think off the field, it's more telling in terms of getting to talk to the media or getting to talk to the coaches, getting to talk to the players. Um you know, because on the field, yeah, we get to see some of the rotations with like the offensive line, but again, you know, four out of the five, maybe five out of the five guys around the first team O-line and rookie minicamp, that's not going to be the first team O-line in, in OTAs. And to kind of go with that point, you know, the Bears, when they did draft this class, I mean, it's pretty simple. They went athleticism and they went with guys that are versatile. They can play multiple positions. Really the only offensive lineman that's probably sticking true to a center in one spot is Doug Kramer. Um, the rest of the guys, you know, Braxton Jones can, it can be guard or tackle. Uh, Jatari Carter can be a guard or a tackle. Um, you know, we have to see where uh, um, uh, Zachary Thomas ends up because, you know, he can play multiple positions so it's like, yeah, I, I agree. They do have a hole at right guard, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. I'd personally be shocked if Sam Mustafer was the starting right guard um, come week one. I think you look at him, and he would have to make just absolute like leaps over you know what he was last year in terms of improvement this offseason to kind of be considered. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, do they kind of, you know, give one of these rookies a shot? Is it going to be a flat out battle between, you know, Sam Mustafer and one of these two, you know, um, whether it's Thomas or Carter, I believe Carter, yeah, Carter was working at, at guard during rookie minicamp while um, uh, Braxton Jones was on the outside. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be a competition. It kind of sounds like that's the spot right now that's going to be most intriguing on the offensive line. I do think, you know, eventually we'll find out if they love Tevin Jenkins on uh, a tackle, if they love Larry Borm at tackle. I think really, and I don't, you know, maybe you think different. I think 
Lucas Patrick is probably a guaranteed starter at center unless they can find, you know, a better option at center, which I don't think is going to happen. And then, um, you know, the other guard spot, I think Cody Whitehair is pretty much a lock to start there as it stands right now, but there's three interchangeable pieces. And I'd kind of put the tackles as like, not like low priority, but maybe medium priority in terms of a competition. But I think that right guard spot, I mean, I think it's, it's fully open for a competition. Well, and it's not, and that's kind of the thing though, is it's not just the starting spots that are in question right now. I mean, you have two unproven tackles. Obviously you have to give Tevin Jenkins a shot somewhere on the line. I think you can make an argument to give Larry Borum a shot somewhere on the line as well, whether that be, you know, left tackle, which he's been practicing at, or maybe right guard. I don't, you know, whatever they end up figuring out, but I mean, just look at their depth. I mean, let's just, let's just hypothetically say, just hypothetically, let's just say that everything stays the same. They don't add anybody else. Um, let's just say two of these rookies make the, you know, make the the 53-man roster. I'm just going to say Braxton Jones because he's a tackle. And then let's just say, uh, who's the one? Oh, man. Why am I drawing? They, they, they drafted four of these guys. Uh, not not the center that they drafted, but the the tackle that they're going to move to guard. Um, uh, not the one from the HBCU college. I'm, uh, I'm drawing San Diego like State's uh, Zachary Thomas. Yeah, Zachary Thomas. I, I feel like Thomas has probably got the best chance out of all these guys to start. But let's just say you keep uh, Braxton Jones and, and Zach Thomas, right? You have those two. And then outside of that, you know, whoever starting at right guard, whether that be Dakota Dozier or Sam Mustafer, you're in a heap of trouble there. I mean, let's just, you know, let's just put it out there. But then outside of that, it's like, what else do you have for depth? I mean, if you look at their depth chart right now, there's just not anything there worth mentioning and that's kind of the thing where you start looking it's like you know even having braxton miller on the on the roster it's like do you feel comfortable with him at swing guard and then you know if whoever loses the you know the guard battle is that going to be your your swing uh interior offensive lineman i just that's kind of the thing is you know going back to last year where and again there's still time but i'm just saying as of right now this is all we have to really look at it's like even if they get the starters figured out, let's just say somehow Thomas ends up being, you know, better than they thought. Let's say either Thomas ends up being better than we're all expecting as a as a day three pick and he starts at right guard, or let's just say Braxton Jones comes out. I mean, he had some third and fourth round grades. It's not out of the realm of possibility like we saw last year with Larry Borum where he could come out and he, and he could look really good at, let's just say, right or left tackle. And maybe you move, um, you know, Larry Borum inside. But even at that the the overall depth on this team is just not good. And I think that that's, that's kind of the concern is I don't even know if you want a guy like Dakota Dozier being the first guy off the bench. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's still some guys out there, but you would have to think at this point in time that if they really truly were going to target somebody that that would have already happened. And, you know, so far that hasn't, and obviously they'll add some veterans as things go on, but it just, I don't know, man, like I, you know, from what Jeff Hughes said, and Jeff has been pretty dang plugged in, especially this off season. I mean, he said that Ryan, Ryan Poles basically hated the entire offensive line, but yet as of right now, I mean, you're looking at one, maybe two changes on the offensive line and, you know, one of those replacing the worst center in the league. And then obviously replacing James Daniels with either one of the worst guards in the league or one of the worst centers to tr- transition to guard. I mean, where does that really leave you? I mean, there's no real improvement there. And then you start looking at depth and the depth looks even worse. So it just, I don't know, man, it's one of those things that obviously you have to hope 
that, like I said, two out of those four guys, if two out of those four draft picks, that offensive line and the panning out, whether it's depth, whether it's starting, then that's great. But the likelihood of one of those guys coming in week one on and being, you know, an average to above average starter is not very good. And the reality of it is, is when you get in those day three picks, the hit rate is basically it's less than 20%. So, I mean, he took eight swings in day three. So let's just say he hits on two of those, two or three of those. I mean, he's in really good shape. So I, I guess my entire point out of that is, Yes, it's nice that they had more draft picks. Yes, it's nice that they kind of, you know, floated in some undrafted free agents and so on and so forth. But when you're looking at strictly the offensive line right now, they didn't really do anything in undrafted free agency. It's not like they went out. I mean, they, I think it was Gene DeLance was the only guy that I can remember off the top of my head that they even made a, you know, that they even signed as an undrafted free agent. But in terms of like movement and stuff like that, after after rookie minicamp was over, there's been nothing. I mean, there's just there's a lot of concern. You know, you can throw whatever you want at a receiver. And, you know, it is what it is at this point. I think there's enough upside there to where is it going to light the league on fire now? But I can also understand why they're looking at this and they're saying, okay, you know, we've got our you know, we've got our main three guys, um, you know, Luke Getzey talks pretty highly of uh equinemia st brown so okay fine that's you, you got four guys and then between um uh you got more there and then you also have daz newsome and you got some you know intriguing undrafted free agents okay that's fine and they, you know it, you can roll with that it's not going to be great it's not going to you know blow anybody's doors off but you can get away with that with the caveat being that the offensive line is substantially better than it was last year. And right now, man, I have a lot of doubt that that's going to be the case. I don't even know that they're really on paper. I don't even think there's a clear argument that they're better than they were last year. I know a lot of people are making that argument, but I just don't think that's a for sure thing. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be worse or that they're going to be way worse. But what I am saying is I don't think you can objectively look at this depth chart right now off, on the offensive line and say that they have clearly gotten better at any position except for center. But again, if you trade out James Daniels at right guard for, you know, and, and Sam Mustafer for for what, what they have now uh, with Lucas Patrick and then a giant question mark at right guard, is that any better than it was last year? I don't think so. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the roster is one of the worst in the NFL right now. I don't understand how people can argue it's not. It's definitely bottom three. It might just be uh, the worst. I, I don't see any way around it. You know, I would say this to your point of, you know, the argument of is the roster automatically better 
than last year. I, I think the coaching is better already, um, but that's not, you know, really a, a huge positive because it's just how bad Matt Nagy and the staff was over the past two years. I mean, how many times do we have to go through? Are you calling plays? Are you going to give up play calling duties and all that? And, you know, how many times did you see David Montgomery rip off big runs and the Bears move the ball and they get down to the red zone and, 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 and Matt Nagy's calling for, you know, three or four straight passing plays are just not going to work. The scheme was really bad. I think in terms of coaching, I think it's going to be better. Um, I, you know, I'd say it probably is already, but that's not, you know, it's, it's because it was so bad last season, but you're right. I, I think overall, it's hard to say, you know, if, if this roster is better, I don't think it is right now. Now here's the key ingredient to all this. If Justin Fields is really freaking good and Justin Fields takes that next step forward, the offense is going to be better than last year's. And that's very, very good news because that means that Justin Fields is the guy that you really thought he was, um, you know, coming out of the draft. So I, I think there's hope, but yeah, man, I mean, there's like, it's, it's, it, it's hard to judge that this early in the season, because like you said, I mean, Luke Getze spoke really highly uh, of, um, to St. Brown spoke really highly of Cole Komet, but he's going to, this stuff's going to be said. This is what happens in the off season. I mean, he's not going to go out there and trash and be like, you know, yeah, I don't really think St. Brown's going to make the roster. That, that just, that rarely ever happens. So, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of this rookie mini camp, I, I thought we learned a lot about the bears plan and how much they like Vilas Jones. You know, if you haven't heard, it's going to be 25 this week. So, that's kind of the big storyline, but for him, he talked about, it. he says he's mature there. It's going to work to his advantage. And, you know, he had the one year of production at Tennessee. Other than that, it was kind of just in eh, from USC on, but he's a guy that I think, and I think you're going to agree with this. The bears have a clear plan for him. He's not going to be, you know, I'm not saying as good as, as Debo Samuel. He's going to line up in that type of role where they can put him on the outside. They can put him in the slot. They can put him in the backfield. I think that's their clear plan for him moving forward. Well, and just kind of circling back real quick, there's one thing that you said that I kind of want to touch on. You said, you know, if Justin Fields is really good, then the Bears have nothing to worry about. And I am 100% agree. And just to be clear, when I criticize the roster, or I criticize certain areas, the reason that I personally criticize them, and this is obviously not to you, but just in general, this is like a general note, is because I feel that the weakness of that particular spot that I'm criticizing can directly affect the impact and the overall development of positions around it or a player around it. And, you know, again, like I said, receiver is what it is, man. I mean, they've, they, I, we've seen, I mean, how many times, I mean, let's just put it this way. How many times have we seen Baltimore roll out with God knows what at receiver and still make the playoffs. I mean, Lamar Jackson had one of his best seasons and really didn't have a whole lot at receiver. Obviously, you know, he had something at tight end. But again, the, the key there is having, yes, having that piece, having, you know, Lamar Jackson be that transcendent player, be that really good player, have that good coaching around him. But also, he had a really good offensive line. And again, I'm not saying that the Bears need to have a great offensive line. But what I am saying, and this is the question I'm posing to you is, is that speaking just about the offensive line as of right now, 
can Justin Fields actually reach his potential even in a better offense, a better coached offense, a better scheme for him, all of that stuff, if the offensive line in front of him is not giving him time? Because that was one of his biggest issues at Ohio State was the fact that he took a little longer to process. He had a longer delivery. Um, just the overall mechanics of him getting rid of the ball in the process of from the time that he took the snap to the time that he released the ball was longer than most of the quarterback prospects. That was his biggest concern coming out. And I don't know how that helps having a bad offensive line in front of him. So do you think that a porous offensive line, is that going to be something that you think even with, you know, the scheme and everything else that he can overcome as long as he's talented enough to do so? Or do you think that that's something that can get in his way? I think it's going to be very tough. I think if he is going to do it, it's going to have to be something where we really see him, you know, make giant steps forward and kind of just play out of his mind. You're right. I mean, it's tough because if he's under pressure all the time and he's forced to make, you know, really quick decisions, it's not going to be, you know, 100% he's going to make the right decisions every time. I'd even say it's probably in year two from what he's been through already in year one. And what we've seen, it's probably going to be more on the side of he's not going to make the right decisions um, more often than not. And yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, you know, not, and it kind of goes back to, are you building around Justin Fields? Are you putting him in a position where he can be the best quarterback that he is right now in year two? And whether, you know, like you brought up, it's offensive line or whether it's wide receivers it, it for me, I, and you agree, obviously, it, they haven't done the best of job. I, I thought they could have gone out and done a better job, not only in the offensive line, wide receiver, maybe, maybe bring in, you know, some other players as well. I mean, everyone talks about the, uh, everyone talks about the wide receivers. There's no wide receivers or anything like that. I mean, yeah, you're right. This offensive line is, I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't know. It's not stable, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, and I agree. And I, I guess that's kind of that's that's my biggest concern. Like, I think Justin Fields has the talent to transcend, you know, not a good, you know, not a great offensive line and not not good receivers. What I don't think many quarterbacks in this league have the ability to overcome is a bad offensive line and a you know a bad receiving core. And I think that's kind of where the Bears have to figure out do they have enough again i'm not asking them to go out and sign you know a bunch of crazy receivers and whatever else i would actually prefer that they get the offensive line squared away it's like again you can do worse i mean just look at some of the receiving depth charts around the league right now you can do worse than darnell mooney uh byron pringle eq st brown and uh velas jones like you can do worse i'm not saying that you can't I, obviously, I still think that's a not a very good unit, but that's not going to be the reason that Justin Fields would fail. Um, you know, again, though, I think the offensive line is the bigger issue right now, and I think that at some point in time, uh, I, I think they have to make another move. If you're going to roll with Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borm at tackle, okay, fine. So go shore up the you know, the interior offensive line. Go out and sign a guy like Daryl Williams, whoever it may be. I, I don't even have a list in front of me. I'm just you know just a, some reliable veteran that makes sense that you can bring in. That would help. I mean, I think even Lane Taylor's out there. Lane Taylor isn't the worst option in the world. It's a hell of a lot better than what they've got going on right now. So something that will at least provide 
average play. I'm not looking for high level offensive line play. I mean, frankly, if they, if they average, you know, if they were average, you know, if they were an average offensive line, that would be a huge step up. And I think that's more than enough to get fields to where he's going, but I just don't think, and I know people keep making the argument of, well, you know, Joe Burrow had a bad offensive line. It's like, yeah, but he also had really good receivers. It's like, you can go down the line of these, these young quarterbacks that have succeeded and they either have you know, one of two things, if not both, and that's either a really good receiving core, a really good offensive line. And I think for Justin Fields and the concerns that he had coming out of the draft, I think that their best course of action is at least getting, you know, a, a solid offensive line. And the other thing that I think is worth pointing out, going back to the depth again, and Ryan Pohl said this is on the offensive line, there's a very good chance that the five guys that you start the year with are not going to play all 17 games. I mean, that's just the reality. We see that every single year. So not only do you need to have those five starters, you know, improved, you also have to have better depth. And again, who knows, maybe, maybe we get shocked and, you know, they come out and there's, you know, they got a rookie, like, I mean, Jordan Mills was a prime example of that back when they drafted Kyle Long in the first round. Jordan Mills was a fifth-round pick. I don't think anybody really expected much from him. What did he do? He came in. He won the starting right tackle job. Was he great? No. Was he good? No, not really. I mean, he was probably average, maybe slightly below average, but he got the job done, and I think that's all you can really hope for right now. I just don't know how smart it is to gamble on fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks being those guys to get it done. And again, we'll see. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse in the ground, whatever, um, you know, but it's just one of those things. And the problem is, is we're not going to know much of anything until they get the pads on the training camp. I mean, really, it's not even going to be overly telling um, when they get everybody together. It's like you can't learn much from a physical position like offensive line when you're sitting there without pads. And that's what it's going to be until the beginning of August. So it's going to be it's going to be quite a while. And you have to hope that they can make another move. And who knows, maybe they're waiting on somebody to get cut. I don't know. I just it, it just seems like at some point in time, I know they missed out on Ryan Bates, but at some point in time, they've 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 got to do something else, at least on the interior um, to give themselves a better chance. And still, you're not interrupting anybody's development. You're not interrupting the development of Sam Mustafer. You're not interrupting the development of a 31-year-old Dakota Dozier. Um, you're not interrupting the development of a bunch of, you know, day three picks that realistically, you know, probably won't see much of the field in year one anyway. You know, there's other ways to develop that. So you're not putting them in any jeopardy you're not hurting your future at all but i do think at some point in time that also directly impacts the development of justin fields which i think is probably the most important factor on this team right now whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
Yeah, and you're right, Aaron. I mean, it's not gonna. We're not gonna know until we actually hit the practice field for reps and meaningful reps for Justin Fields with this roster because you know rookie minicamp. It, it's it's just rookies out there, and it's 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 guys that are hoping to make the roster. Um, you know, tryout players, undrafted players, and your rookie, your eleven man rookie class. So yeah, it, it's tough, especially on the offensive end. And you know, especially for a guy like Vilas Jones trying to make an impact when you have you know nothing against him, Ryan Willis and, and Drew Plitt out of, um, out of ball state, throwing you the football. It's kind of hard to see what this offense is going to be over these past three practices. Well, and you know, speaking of the, you know, Valus Jones and, and the rest of this, you know, rookie class and all the undrafted free agents. I mean, they, they signed, I think it was 17 undrafted free agents. They ended up cutting uh, Ladarius Mack, a few other veterans, and then plus um, you know, a few other undrafted free agents, who all stood out to you at uh, rookie minicamp? I know it was really only more of a two-day thing, but was there anybody who really caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, you know, Velas Jones or Velas Jones is his speed is really impressive. Um, again, it's hard. I mean, you know, the routes, everything are all different. I mean, it's it, it's just it's the seven on seven, eleven on eleven is is very plain. Um, I would say his speed, his, his ability to turn it up field was something I saw. Um, another player I thought had a really good camp, but, you know, take it for what it's worth. It, it's against, you know, um, undrafted players, tryout players was Charles Snowden. He looks bigger at the defensive end spot. Um, he was getting off the snap. He was making plays in the backfield. Uh, he's a guy that, that caught my eye a couple of times. And then I'll say this, I know Courtney Cronin brought this up on Twitter right after the Friday practice, but it was a more physical practice than I thought. I mean, they were really going through the contact. Um, every time the play was going the defense, you know, they, they make the quote unquote tackle. And after that, they were trying to strip the football uh, after every play and the offense was kind of just using, you know, the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends were using their force to try to break through that. Um, it, it was definitely no pads, nothing like that, but it was a pretty physical practice for, for a, a rookie mini camp. And I think, that's Matt Eberflus trying to set the tone here, trying to, you know, it, it's only rookie minicamp, but he's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And he's going to do it like this throughout the entire year. I think we're going to be back to some more physical, aggressive, um, high energy practices, you know, compared to what we've seen in the past. I think that's the type of coach that Matt Eberflus is, and, and that's his style. So in terms of standing out, I think, those three, I know, yes, for maybe players, but I, I threw in the one at the end there with um, kind of the physicality overall, because I mean, like I said, you know, it's just, it's really hard to judge a lot of these players by what they're doing right now. And, and, you know, wide receiver, it was tough to find someone that really stood out at all. I mean, it, it just felt like the quarterbacks and receivers weren't all on the same page at times. And when they were, you know, I mean, like I said, it's not full speed seven on seven or 11 on 11. We barely got to see any of that. Well, and like you pointed out, I mean, these are going to be more physical practices because they have a defensive coach and this is going to be a brand new mindset and a brand new, I should say, but it is going to be a new mindset versus what we've seen with Matt Nagy's teams in terms of they want to be calculated. They want to be fast. They want to be physical. Um, you know, Ryan Poles has mentioned that multiple times, just talking about, you know, even like the offensive line in terms of, you know, like their body mass index and stuff like that. So 
I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, now, obviously, the next steps moving forward um, before we get that lull going in the training camp will be, you know, a few more sets of practices with the rookies, with the veterans. Um, and then, you know, really the only mandatory thing is going to be the middle of June when they have the mandatory OTAs for a week. And after that, they break for camp for a break until camp for, you know, six weeks. So I'm sure as things kind of ramp up, you know, this is this is new for everybody. And and the coaching staff has talked about that as everything ramps up. I'm sure, you know, with you guys being there, it'll start to become more apparent. Um, but really, man, I mean, it's just going to be kind of taking little pieces and little pieces and little pieces and kind of hope that by the time they get the training camp and into the preseason, things start looking better and, and, and start looking at least like a football team. I, you know, I, I think there's just there's a lot of new guys on this team. So I think that's really where it's at. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a look at that too. Like you said, in the in the, in the month or two here, um, with the sessions in May and the sessions in June before we get to training camp. So, I'm excited for that. I, I do like that's the style that Matt Idrifus has and his coaching staff have right now. Um, you know, I also like the style that Matt Nagy had his first year too. So anything could definitely change. But Aaron, where can um, everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Yeah, you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. Um, you can read our work on thebearreport.com. Um, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Helps us and the Picks for Polls podcast as we continue to give you coverage throughout the summer here of the Chicago Bears. Until next time, everyone, please stay safe. <laughs>